Hope nobody's scared of heights. Well, I'm not scared of nothing. I just... When I'm up real high, I got a problem with gravity. Speaking of problems, I am no longer picking up Echo's signal. I... I don't understand. You said it was coming from this city. I can only speculate, but... It is possible there's a latency issue with the frequency, caused by all these atmospheric disturbances. Or, maybe they sent the signal to lure us into a trap, and they're just using Echo as bait. Well, I can't be the only one thinking that. Look, every mission could be a trap. This one's no different. We still have to find the source of that algorithm and shut it down. We still don't even know if this Echo is still alive. And if he is, he might be a traitor. Echo's not a traitor, you hear me? If I was left for dead, I would not be so loyal. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! Buddy, welcome back to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the, well, seven-year history of the Emmy award-winning animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars. I realize the show has been going on so long that I, I've changed how many uh, how many years we've been doing, or how many years long the show is, and I think that's a testament to how beloved this show is is the fact that they keep adding content. They keep adding content. And what we're going to be discussing is something that we just saw for the first time back in April of this year. That was like eight months ago. It, it, we've barely, uh, you know, it, it's funny to think when we started the show, we were looking back at 2008. And here we are looking back at earlier this year. And, and well, and, and the whole time, the whole time that we've been doing this, the Clone Wars has been done. <laughs> there hasn't been like a, a reunion. There hasn't been a special Netflix uh, uh, Netflix uh, uh, season. Well, I guess there was technically, but you know, like the, the show hasn't come back. Like the show has still been canceled throughout the whole time that we've been discussing it. And yet they keep adding more stuff, which is, which is great. And we are so happy about that. So uh, of course, tonight we will be discussing the Bad Batch arc, another story reel arc this one that was released back at Celebration Anaheim. Uh, and boy, what an exciting and fun panel that was. And we'll talk about that a little bit, as well as the episodes themselves. Uh, introductions are in order if you are new to the show. And if you are new to the show, go back and, and listen to the whole thing. Go back and relive the Clone Wars. And, and also, uh, the show is going to be kind of an interesting uh, an interesting snapshot of what the time of what of the time it was recorded in. You know, uh, we spent a lot of time at the beginning talking about how we would love to see the bonus content. And then we spent a lot of time talking about how this might affect rebels. And now here we are it, you know, three years into this or two years into this at the very least. Um, and we've seen 
all of season six. We saw the lost missions. They hit Netflix. Uh, we've talked about them too. And, uh, and here we are. We're about, we're nearing the halfway point in season two of Rebels. And, you know, the other thing we've talked about was, well, could it affect episode seven? As we recorded this, we were recording this on November 29th. Episode seven is now less than 20 days away. As, by the time you're hearing this, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and you know, the show will go on a little bit past episode seven. Uh, and it, who knows how that will affect that. We may need to just start over. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, I don't think, uh, we'll, we'll need to, but you never know. Uh, but like I said, introductions are in order. If you are new to the show, my name is Dominic and joining me as he always does is my good friend and co-host the awards winning Karen Duggan. <laughs> Good evening, Dominic. Good evening, everybody who's listening. Is I, I quite like the way you introduced the show there, Dominic. It it has almost come full circle, really, hasn't it? Where yeah. we we started this show a couple of years back, and Clone Wars had come to an end. And, yeah, uh, we we were we were looking back, we were eulogising, we were remembering, and remembering very fondly what what had taken place. And now we're at a point where we're looking at content which has been released since the start of this show. <laughs> and it's it's quite incredible to think how, in part, long this show has gone on for, uh, but also testament to how popular the series really is. And I think that was palpably felt in the room at Celebration mm-hmm. where this arc aired. Me and you were both there, Dominic. We both yeah. experienced this arc in the flesh when it when it was very first aired and we were it, at the premiere it, it was it was it was incredible then yeah. and it's incredible now but yeah as you said just coming full circle is quite quite poignant moment i have to say mm-hmm. yeah and and the other thing you know the show was this we started this show to do two things like you said to eulogize the clone wars to remember it to celebrate it to keep its legacy going for as long as we could and to pass the time until episode 7 and here, like I said, here we are. Episode seven is, is so close. It is, it's, we're almost there. We're almost to the finish line as, uh, as one of the clones says in the, in the, in the order 66 arc, we're almost to the finish line. And, uh, and it's the same for this show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Before we started, we were just talking about what we might do next. So, uh, yeah. And we'll have something really cool uh, for you guys. It's the, it may be the end of the show, but it's not the end of us working on star Wars things. Uh, or the end of us podcasting by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but let's let's get into these particular episodes, the Bad Batch arc. Kieran, do you have episode descriptions for us this time? I do indeed, Dominic. And we'll start off with the first episode in this four-part arc, which is actually named The Bad Batch. Hey! <laughs> so in this episode, Rex, Cody, and Clone Force 99, a.k.a. The Bad Batch, an unorthodox elite squad look to recover the Republic's strategic algorithm from Admiral Trench, but a haunting truth awaits. Mm. The second episode is named A Distant Echo. Believing that Ark Trooper Echo may be alive, Rex's mission becomes doubly important. Alongside the Bad Batch and Anakin Skywalker, Captain Rex launches a dangerous covert rescue on Skako Minor. The third episode in this four-part arc is entitled On the Wings of Keradax. If I pronounce that wrong, you can tell me later, Dominic. <laughs> um, 
With Echo recovered, Rex, the Bad Batch, and Anakin Skywalker look to fight their way out of a separatist base. And the final episode is named Unfinished Business. The Republic plans a daring final strike against Admiral Trench, once again bringing together Rex, Echo, Anakin, and the Elite Bad Batch squad in a final battle for a Nexus. Yeah. So I just realized, as, as as you were saying that, this is the last time we have proper episode descriptions. Because mm. what we have left, we have the Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir comic, and we have Dark Disciple, the novel. And while we have episode titles for those, we don't have episode descriptions. You, you might have to make up your own episode descriptions for those. You know, I, know, I, can't, on... I can't use Star Wars Wiki yeah, anymore, can I? No, I can't no, use Wikipedia. Yeah, no more Wikipedia. <laughs> well, actually, maybe. Who knows? They might have something there that you could uh, you could base it on. But yeah, I could do. it's going to require start inventing. Them. Yeah, these new episodes are going to require some extra work for you. <laughs> yeah. I know. This was usually the, the easy bit of the show, but I think it's very, very soon going to become the hardest part of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, but let's let's get into these episodes. So we'll start how we always do. Uh, cast your mind back to April. <laughs> and what was your initial impression uh, to these episodes? And were these the first episodes you saw with an audience since the movie, obviously? This Probably was actually, yeah. And I, it, it was just incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, to put it in a little bit of context, although me and you watched it in the room, we weren't actually <laughs> seated next to each other. Yeah, and, and, and why, uh, why don't that, you tell people why that was? Kieran decided you wanted to sleep you, in that morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think I, I went. Little, to... I had a little nap yeah. for a bit too long. Yeah, I think as, it, as we had just had the panel the day before. Mm-hmm. To the, do with the force the awakens which had taken me out a little bit um, <laughs> but yeah but... yeah I, and and i was i think i had gone i'd gotten up early to like and and even then i still had to like sneak my way into the battlefront panel and it, 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 to, to sit within a live audience i was actually with fellow stars underworld staffer david delgado yeah. so i wasn't quite on my own a frequent nice to have some company frequent but... panelist on this show yes indeed uh, right back to the beginning. Actually, oh, yeah. Funnily enough, we're talking about um, the beginning of the show, and he was within the, I think, the second episode I remember one of the, him being on. One of the early ones. I, I definitely remember that. Yeah. He, uh, he brought us, he brought us our first guest, too. Our first, uh, first interview guest. Yeah. Yeah. So we check out, check you. out every, yeah, check out everything that David does, echobasemedia.com, or just search for Echobase Media on Facebook and Twitter. And he's got some, he's always got great signings, lots of Clone Wars, lots of Rebels, uh, lots of classic trilogy stuff. Um, and you can buy the autographs. So if you're into collecting autographs, he's definitely one to, to follow. So uh, again, it's Echo Base Media. Absolutely. Ah, Echo. How apt that oh, we talk about yeah. that. yeah. How about start. that? <laughs> and um, I, I will get through this story. Don't yes. worry. But it's not, I'm, I'm elaborating this into more than it is. I basically sat in a we're room ten with a minutes, bunch of people we're... watching the same watching the episode that everybody who's listened to has probably watched Mm -hmm. but i think in terms of the atmosphere that that's what made it different to anything else Mm -hmm. that i'd ever really witnessed before with regards to clone wars content it the the crowd was was all for it and and i think what summed it up best was the the opening crawl so to speak Mm -hmm. uh for this particular arc which said the battles are over 
but yeah. the heroes live on. Thank you, Clone Wars fans. And yeah. I think that really touched a lot of people. It touched the actors, I think, as well, particularly Dee Bradley Baker when you see him talk about it mm-hmm. during the panel uh, for this particular arc at, at Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, you can see that so, on the uh, Star Wars YouTube channel if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. Definitely uh, recommend it's up, it. It's up on StarWars.com as well, actually. Yeah, definitely um, I, recommend it. I was it. looking under the, the Clone Wars subheading, <laughs> and it's the uh, second latest video that's been posted on that channel. So What's the most recent? have a look there. What's the latest? Uh, it's a clip from the uh, Yoda arc. How is that the latest? Him. I, I don't know why that's first, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's him when he meets Cypher Diaz. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe yeah, maybe they put that out afterwards because that's a pretty that's a pretty important uh, – well, that's a pretty important arc just in general. So It is. It is indeed. So in, it, in terms of initial impressions whilst I was watching it, I thought it was fantastic. And to actually watch it as well all together. Yes. Uh, there's no bathroom breaks here, folks. Yeah, you stayed <laughs> you in. You can't pause it. You committed yourself. <laughs> You can't um, go, hey, Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni, can you just pause that for a second while I, yeah. while I go get some popcorn or whatever? Yeah, I mean, the end credits did come on like every other episode, but yeah. it doesn't give you enough time to go to the bathroom. You've got to stay put. But no, it was... Was this a painful experience for you? <laughs> well, I don't know. I keep mentioning bathroom yeah. breaks, but I... I, I... <laughs> I hope I don't sound like I was desperate for the loo at the time. Oh, However, I, I just thought it was a, a, a point of call yes. to, to make a mention of at the time. You know, it, I mean, the people who did need a bathroom break, they, you didn't have the chance. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, this arc was fantastic. It, it was a breath of fresh air, and it was a surprise when we were looking at the schedule yeah. beforehand that there was going to be another Clone Wars arc. We didn't think they were, there was going to be any more. We'd had the trailer for the legacy content. But no, the Bad Batch came into existence, yeah. and I think we're all glad for it. As I also learned today, actually, that these episodes were actually going to be the first episodes of Season 7, if you can believe it. Really? Wow. Well, I so guess. I mean, yeah. They're going way into the future now. We're past Season 6. These are technically episodes of Season 7. Yeah, wow. I mean, I, I, I guess I hadn't thought of that. But, I, I mean, it does make sense. We had 12 episodes on Netflix, uh, and then I guess we would get uh, another arc or two. So I would assume either the Dar- one Darth Maul arc or one Ventress arc, and then Crystal Crisis. And that would that would more or less make up a season. And then, yeah, I guess this would be the first of season seven, and probably vent- the second Ventress arc would be the second. Wow. It's amazing. You know, there's, there was eight seasons worth of stuff written. I wonder, uh, wonder how much of that we're, we're actually going to get to see now that we're, I guess we're partway into season seven with all the stuff that's been released. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Dominic, what about you? What were your <laughs> initial impressions of this arc when you when you sat down way away from me in yeah. the same room? <laughs> well, see, Star Wars I was. Celebration. <laughs> we 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 had been out of contact because Kieran. Uh, you know, coming over from the UK, didn't really ha- we couldn't you couldn't you couldn't use your phone unless it was connected to Wi-Fi. Um, so yeah. I I had and the no Wi-Fi way- network. I hate oh. to say it, but at Star Wars Celebration, unless you were in the media suite, it, yeah, because you basically got sixty thousand fans all using the same yeah. internet. So they all they all have at all these conventions. They all tried to do it, and and nobody has quite, quite cracked the, the code. Like uh, even at New York Comic Con, 
uh, Luther, some company called Luther tried to, no, no, it was LexCorp. <laughs> the company whose name actually was LexCorp. <laughs> and they tried to get, they tried to provide free Wi-Fi. And I saw some tweets, people saying, yeah, the, the Wi-Fi from LexCorp is about as villainous as their uh, namesake. So for all you uh, DC <laughs> fans out there, um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, if, unless you were in the media, um, in me- yeah, in the media room, it was uh, it was dreadful. So I had no way of contacting Karen. So I had no idea if you had even gotten up yet. <laughs> like I had gone to Battlefront. I was hanging with Ben and and, and Trey and Jake and uh, a lot of our friends um, from the Star Wars Underworld, and and we ran into to Irish Chris and Shannon, and and we we all of us were sitting together. <laughs> And I'm like, and we're like, we're like, we wonder if Kieran got in because he's going to be really upset if you missed this. And I was, I was happy to learn when, it, when we, I don't even know, I don't, I don't know when we next saw you. Um, I think it was later that day in the afternoon. I yeah, think we were queuing up for another panel, but I can't remember. Yeah, and, and we saw you there, and and you said, oh yeah, I saw it, and I was like, oh phew. Phew, everybody, everybody saw it. Everybody, uh, we, everybody had a good time. It was all good. And, and yeah, and just seeing it, you know, I'd seen other Clone Wars episodes with audiences. I saw the season five premiere. I saw the Yoda arc. Um, actually, I actually saw the Darth Maul arc from season five, uh, at Celebration, uh, Germany. Uh, although it wasn't a premiere, it was just a, just a screening, but it was still a lot of fun. So I'd seen Clone Wars arcs screened before. Um, but this was something special because it was like, like we said at the beginning, the show was over. There wasn't any more. This was like, the bonus, you know, the bonus content, you know, it really was that. And I remember looking at the celebration schedule, uh, when it first came out and, and noticing that there was a two hour, two and a half hour time slot booked on the digital stage that still said to, or that still said to be announced. And that said special guest, Dave Filoni. I remember seeing that and going, oh my God, that has to, that has to be Clone Wars. That has to be Clone Wars. <laughs> they got to have something for us there. And, uh, sure enough, they did. And we, uh, we were in, and it was, they treated us very well with that arc. And, uh, you mentioned the, um, the fortune cookie or the, the, the message of the episode of the first episode was the, you know, was the, was the message to the fans. And I thought that was really sweet and, and really nice. And then, uh, you know, Everybody talks about at Celebration Anaheim, you know, they cried when Han said Chewie were home. Well, I cried when it said, um, thank you, Clone Wars fans. Uh, so, and, and the episodes themselves are, are, are great. They're, they're a lot of fun. Um, I don't think they're necessarily as deep as, say, the, um, Crystal Crisis arc was, but I think that's also, or, or the Yoda arc, but, uh, those are exceptions. And, and this episode was sort of taking us back into the war and, and it, it does raise some interesting questions about the Republic and, and what they're doing now that they're willing to have these clone troopers. They're willing to create these mutated clone troopers, essentially. And it's, it's a – well, we'll get into it. Um, well, let's start off with uh, with just the Bad Batch. What did you think of them? Did, what, did you like them? Did you, did, did you find them annoying? What did you think of the Bad Batch? The Bad Batch were great, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, they all had their distinct personalities, and I think that's something which D. Bradley Baker really succeeds at, but also thrives in. Mm-hmm. He, he, he he loves to make the clones individualistic, and he said as much in the panel. Mm-hmm. He said he was terrified about trying to keep these guys distinct 
in terms of personalities, but also having to sound like clones. And it's really <laughs> difficult to really project that on the screen, particularly when this isn't the finished visual format. This isn't what would be aired out on television. This is the stage or phase before that. So a lot of credit has to go, of course, to animators, but also the voice actor, D. Bradley Baker, because he really succeeds with The Bad Batch at making them all sound different. And this I didn't realize, but this is an idea actually generated by George Lucas himself. He wanted a motley crew. <laughs> and I think this kind of crew reminded me of something like the A-Team, maybe. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's kind of made up of different types of personalities uh different types of people that have their strengths but they also have their distinct weaknesses and i i mean if you look at look at the names of these particular characters i think some of them are quite self-explanatory but you've got the leader hunter of course Mm -hmm. and he he seems to be more level-headed than some of the others which uh include crosshair (laughs) who i think is, is most remembered for the being the sniper, the incisive sniper. We've yeah. got Tech. So I, I, I guess that's quite self-explanatory <laughs> as to what, where his skills predominantly lie. What does he do? <laughs> what does he do? I mean, maybe, maybe he plays with computers, but I, I'm not too sure. And then the final <laughs> one, Wrecker, of course. Yeah, And he, uh, he certainly is a bit of a wrecking ball, it has to be said. Oh, for sure. Particularly in this, particularly in this arc. He uh, he showcases himself as being an absolute brute, really, on the battlefield. And so you've got Hunter, Crosshair, Tech, Wrecker. And in a way, their, their distinct personalities work so well in tandem and as a way of bouncing off, uh, or, or I should say, the dynamics between them and the other characters bounce off very, very well. Yeah, particularly Rex, Cody in the first arc, Anakin later, and even Echo. Uh, I I think the dynamics between the Bad Batch and the other characters were equally as intriguing and, and well executed as the dynamics within the Bad Batch group themselves. So I'll throw it over to you, though, Dominic. What did you make of this this motley crew, really, as, as George Lucas termed it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I like them o- overall. They were they were fun. Like they, I loved their distinct personalities. They were all very different, and it led so it led to a lot of good opportunities for some some jokes, for some comedy, uh, contrasting them with the regs uh, and and all that. Um, I, I remember our pal Irish Chris said after the episode aired. Or aired, but after after the screening ended, um, that they kind of reminded him of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, I can't stand the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so I don't I don't necessarily like that comparison. But I do see where he's coming from. Uh, you know, it is kind of that that you know, like George said, Motley Crew, like you said, the A Team, and, and like uh, Chris said, the uh, Ninja Turtles, where you kind of bring together these groups of people that are very different from one another, and they have to work together to you know, save the, save the universe, save the galaxy in, in this situation. And, and so I, I do like that, that concept and I, they were fun. I, and, uh, you know, Wrecker was great. I, I really enjoyed Wrecker. I love that he's afraid of heights. <laughs> that was just a brilliant little, uh, 
a little addition, a little character trait that he had. I thought that was fantastic. Um, they were all they were all a lot of fun. So I, I, I really enjoyed the, them as characters. Some of the action stuff that they did, I found was a little bit um, a little bit too over the top for me um in particular in the first episode when they take the the door of the uh of the gunship and then they go and they take out literally every droid uh like with just the four of them i thought that was just a little bit uh a little bit much for me but overall um you know they did have some really great action sequences that i really enjoyed and would have loved to have seen fully animated um, but there was just every now and again, they just pushed it just ever so slightly too far. And, but yeah, there's nothing really wrong with that either. Um, and just while we're on the topic of the animation, uh, in this arc, the idea that, uh, or that just that opening shot where the, the camera just follows that gunship as it lands and you just go through all the different stuff that's going on, man, I would have loved to have seen that finished because that looked amazing just the amount of stuff that was going on you really got the sense that there was a massive battle taking place on an axis i thought it was really really well done uh and and would have looked spectacular had the team at uh, cgcg gotten their hands on it but alas they did not <laughs> and we're and we're left with the story reel but then the story reel itself was was fantastic. Oh yeah, anyway, it was very good. In terms of the plot. Oh yeah, absolutely. In terms of the music and the voice acting that mm-hmm. as we'd said in the Utapau arc, having a final, you know, fully animated version was not necessary mm-hmm. to make this a great story arc because it really I think it was a it was a very interesting one and, and a clone centric arc which we haven't had properly yeah. since Well Order sixty six Order sixty six and Umbara. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, absolutely. I mean, I mean, there's nothing really in season five, so we were kind of lacking clone-centric arcs. And I'll tell you what, another inverse reference I can give with regards to the Bad Batch is actually the Rebels on Star Wars mm. Rebels. They all yeah. come from different backgrounds, yeah, and they all serve a common cause. So I think that um, whilst maybe the the Rebels could be perceived as uh, a bit more uh, philanthropic and and and, <laughs> and 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 not so uh, ruthless and uh, cold as the as the bad batch, but I think there are also connections between the two. So uh, the bad batch as as a group, as we both said, I think they were they were just uh, it was exciting, and, and I think that there are so many out and, and in universe comparisons with them. Uh, with, with the likes of, I know you're not a fan of the Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninja. <laughs> can't even say the word now. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, and the A Team, the Rebels, maybe even the Power Rangers. I mean, there's just so many different comparisons you can make with the Bad Batch, but at the same time, unique in their own way, which is what makes it uh, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's talk about the circumstances surrounding the Bad Batch and their creation. Um, it's kind of interesting. You know, Dave Maloney talked about how the 99 incident and how he possessed a worldview that was very different from the other clones because he was uh, physically different from them. He was a uh, – well, I guess – didn't they call him a Bad Batcher in the – 
in the arc in the uh, Camino arc way back in season three. Um, well, they also called that uh, clones who were just defective in general. Yeah. So they said, um, uh, I think it was to one of the uh, Domino squad that you could end up in the Bad Batch or something akin to that. Yeah. Is what one of the yeah. bounty hunters has said. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a callback to to that. Um, but they, uh, but they have, but that incident kind of made the Republic think that maybe if they tried different things with the clones, they could create. Uh, soldiers that are specific to a situation. At least that's how I understand it. And so they create these soldiers that are genetically mutated in a in a way that you know Hunter is is a, is a has a heightened senses. Wrecker is strong, um, and so on and so forth uh, with with the other characters. It, it, you know the idea of cloning in and of itself raises some very interesting moral questions about you know is it right to create people like this but having doing this kind of genetic mutation to these people raises even more moral questions of you know shouldn't these people shouldn't these you know these men have the choice of whether they want to become like this and it, it, the, the you know that's one of the creepy things about the Kaminoans is they don't really offer that option, and, and so I guess what I'm saying is 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 this a is this an incident where the Republic is kind of going too far? Is this an instance that's kind of showing you know we talk a lot about the Jedi sacrificing their morals and is, but is this an incident of the Republic sacrificing their morals or is, I guess maybe it's not even something the general Republic knows about. It's, it's something that Palpatine orders. And if you're reading the uh, Darth Vader comics that are coming out now from Marvel, and these are both canon, um, you know, you know that Palpatine has been playing with cloning and playing with genetic mutations and creating these weird force users um, that are kind of, kind of inquisitors in, in a way, but not quite They They don't answer to Vader. They answer to Palpatine. And it's, and so, you know, this, this kind of thing is very much in line with Palpatine's thinking. Um, but is it kind of one of those instances where the Republic is kind of sacrificing their morals? I mean, I'm intrigued what, as to what you think with the, yeah, with the bad I, batch, I, not I the, not it, the Darth Vader comic stuff with the bad batch. <laughs> well, I haven't read the Darth Vader comic stuff, so I, I can't give any comment if I wanted to anyway, but, um, I, I feel like I have to now if you've intrigued me on that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird, but, uh, it's a weird plot line. I, I, I haven't, I, with all the things going on in the Darth Vader comic series right now, that's the, the part that intrigues me the least. But anyways, uh, do, do continue. Oh well, I should enjoy the rest of the, of the yeah, uh, yeah. Comic. There's uh, the Darth Vader comic series had some really interesting stuff going on, as does do all the Marvel books. Um, but that's one that was one of those plot lines that it's it's really taking me a while to warm up to because it was presented, it was introduced in a very weird kind of way, and 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 some of the visuals are very different from stuff we're used to seeing in Star Wars, and then some of the the language that's used is, is different. And I don't mean that like that's, it's, they don't like start dropping F bombs everywhere or anything, um, but there's a line from Vader that I kind of went, huh? That's, I, I don't know if we've heard that term in star Wars before. I mean, I'm intrigued by it. All right. I, I don't know if that's, if I, if I like that. Um, so I, I, you know, do check out the Darth Vader comic series. Don't let me uh, scare you away. And it does kind of connect to the bad batch. 
Um, but let's focus on the Bad Batch. We're not, this isn't, this isn't Darth Vader. This isn't Marvel's Darth Vader strikes back. This is the Clone Wars strikes back. Let's talk about Clone Wars. It's my Absolutely. fault. I, I got us off on that tangent. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought you were going to blame me for that. I was like, I only asked a question, Dominic. You, you're giving me the answer. Don't have a go at me if I want to ask it. But anyway, I'm going to go back to the Bad Batch arc. Look at this. We're in fighting during a podcast, oh, folks. No. This, is, this is great. This is what we do outside of the podcast as well. Um, <clears throat> it's a miracle we've let, let this show last for so long. So we're going <laughs> to... With regards to whether the, the Republic has sacrificed their morals... I, I think they they have really, and uh, when we say the republic, it's important to define what we mean by that. And I think we're talking about more the elitists, the, the people who have the power to to make these policies and decisions. And you know, predominantly, it's it's kind of Palpatine here who's who's got the final say in a lot of this. Um, I, mean, I mean, the Jedi like to think they do, but uh, I, I think a lot of it does revolve around the Senate and Palpatine. But I mean, even, even then, the senators—I don't think they would really know that the, the Bad Batch existed. And I think it was presented in that way um, within these episodes, wherein the Bad Batch was introduced to to Rex and Anakin, and and it, and it, it the, the, it was a little bit ambiguous as to uh, who they were and, and and what they had done and and who they'd serve. Who they had served. Yeah, that's the thing. That's uh, the thing. They've always have... been segregated is the way I looked at it, yeah. away from the main Hunter... grand army of the Republic. Hunter even says that they don't really know they don't, don't even really serve anybody. They don't report to anybody in particular. That's it, kind of interesting. It almost it almost has a bit of a a feel like they're almost more more bounty hunters in a way. Well, I mean, they, they almost had the skills comparable to, to some bounty hunters, or they seemed to be elitist, even though they had these afflictions inflicted upon them. Yeah. They certainly seemed to have skills which were, uh, which exceeded that of your, your conventional clone trooper, really. And then I think a lot of that was witnessed, as you said at the start, by the. The, by the action sequences that they were involved in when they were able to decimate entire droid squadrons even though there was only about four of them. <laughs> so there, there was something within their genetic coding that had been modified to make them more professional, to make them more elitist. I mean, they, these reminded me more of, say, Gregor, the uh, clone commanders, the, the clone commandos, Rather than Rex and Cody, I, I even think Rex and Cody, in terms of skill level, were probably a little bit below them. Oh yeah, and I think it, I think it goes to demonstrate then the importance of the Bad Batch um, for the Grand Army of the Republic. But as you said, who are they serving? It's still a little bit ambiguous, and what? And, and as far as the morals go for the Republic, I think it does paint in a very negative light because. They're willing, the Republic that is, and, and I'm including the Jedi within this as well, to use defective clone troopers to as, as almost a means to an end. Mm-hmm. I mean, throughout this, I actually looked at a Bad Batch and thought to myself, what happens to you after the war? Because obviously they're very, very skilled and, and professional when it comes to military assignments. So it's not one. It's not going to be easy to take them down, 
But two, what what is it like in terms of growth acceleration? Do they grow at the same rate as other colognes? There's a lot more questions than to ask, really, than actually answers yeah. that have been given with this arc. So I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Dominic, joining the discussion. What about the Bad Batch? You talked about well, sacrificing morals for the Republic. I mean, what does that say about them? Well, I think whenever whenever the, uh, the, que- the question of who someone reports to is brought up, I have to assume that Palpatine is involved in some way. Um could these guys be almost like his secret police in a way, or, or they go in and they do missions for him from time to time. And then he, you know, to, to keep up appearances, they do missions for the Republic. And, and, you know, you mentioned what, well, what happens to them after the war? I think even though they're genetically modified from the rest of the clones, there is a, there's definitely a, um, there's definitely a chip in their head. They have definitely, uh, they've definitely still got Protocol sixty six um, within their brains. And I think as soon as Palpatine says execute Order sixty six, they become stormtroopers, just like all the other guys. They are loyal to him to a fault. You know, quite frankly, you know, they are. They become just uh, not just average members of the stormtrooper corps, but they. I wouldn't be surprised if Palpatine uses these guys as uh, potential for or, or as a you know some kind of secret militia of his own like he sends them off on his own missions and i, I was talking about the darth vader comic a second ago um but and you know I, like i said i don't want to go into a tangent about the vader comic but you know when you are dealing with a similar idea of, of genetic mutation it, it, it's it's hard not to draw um comparisons and and perhaps look at ways they could be linked and you know, for me, though, the way I look at it is that Pal- the, the Bad Batch probably weren't Palpatine's idea. I don't think they were his idea. Uh, I don't think he would have paid any attention to 99. Um, I, I, that's just the way he works. I don't think he's interested in the little guy unless they can help him. And I don't think he saw any value in 99. I don't think, well, obviously, he didn't even know 99 existed, but. Uh, he wouldn't have seen any value in that. I think this was something the Kaminoans did. I think the Kaminoans did this on their own because, well, they saw that happened and then they sort of thought, okay, how can we improve our product and sell it at a higher price? Because that's how the Kaminoans work. You know, it's like Dex says, they're, they're interested in how good your manners are and how big your pocketbook is. <laughs> That's my terrible uh, Dexter Jester impression, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. Try the veal. Um, um, That's what they're interested in. And even if the Republic won't buy it, they can probably sell it to somebody else. But in this case, the Republic does buy it um, probably because they're desperate to win this war. And then Palpatine sees this and, you know, that gets the evil uh, things going in his brain. Um, And he... Once Order 66 happens, once the Jedi Order falls, uh, and once Vader is uh, turned from, you know, Hayden Christensen to the suit, he would begin experimenting with this kind of thing. And, and we would get the, um, the the soldiers that we see in the Vader series. Uh, and so that, that's sort of where I'm, or I'm thinking how this goes and how this affects the future of the story of the Star Wars universe. Um, but I do think it was a, a, an act of desperation on the part of the Republic that they wanted to uh, 
well, they were fighting this war and they need it to end. You know, the Republic doesn't want the war to keep going generally. I mean, the the corporations and the war profiteers do, but uh, the general, you know, the good people in the Republic, the Padmes, the Bales, the Mon Mothmas, the Chuchis, the people like that, they don't want it to keep going. They they want it to end. And so it li- this was likely born out of a move of desperation by senators, not necessarily the ones that I just listed off, but other senators who feel the same way that maybe – don't quite have the same moral code as uh, Padme and, and Bale, but they still don't want the war to be going on. And so they would uh, would be willing to allow something like this to happen. And, uh, well, it winds up benefiting uh, Palpatine in the future, and uh, we'll see how that plays out in the Darth Vader comic. Uh, so you're saying in that scenario, then, you believe the senators would be aware of the existence of the bad well, I batch? Would, I don't think they would necessarily be aware of the bad batch per se. I think they would be aware of the idea that there were there was this new type of clone that the Kaminoans were developing, and should we fund that? Or maybe, not even the general senators, maybe, that, I, maybe I was thinking a little too broadly, but maybe there was some kind of you know, you always hear in politics, there's the, the panel of this, or the council of that, or the committee of this, and maybe there's some kind of committee in the Republic that meets about this and they decide how the money they have allotted for the war will be spent. And they sort of went, well, we need this war to end. We want to win the war. What Camino, what do you have? What do your cloners have that could help us win the war besides just more troops? And they could have gone, well, we've been working on this program ever since, uh, ever since the battle of Camino and how that played out to create these super soldiers, essentially with uh, unique abilities, would you invest in that? And the senators probably went, well, yeah, like, if they can help us win the war, yes, we would. And so I, I don't think it was necessarily, I don't think there was a big vote on it in the big house, in the big Senate uh, that you have that we see in the films and the, and the show, but there was probably a committee or a council or a panel or something that, that got together and uh, Listen to what Camino was was talking about. Listen to what they were doing, and said that sounds good. Here's some here's more credits. Go do go make us a ba- go make us some of those, and hence we get Hunter Wrecker, Crosshair, and Tech. And who knows? Maybe there are other there are other bad batches out there. You know, this is if this is something they're clearly very effective. So it wouldn't make sense for there to just be one of them. The the, the Kaminoans are probably at the very least working on another one if there aren't. Uh, if there isn't another uh, squad out there that uh, that's like the Bad Batch, yeah, I mean, the the existence of the Bad Batch itself raises questions as to the moral code of the Republic in terms of what other projects mm. have they got going on at this time, whether it's related to clone production or whether it's related to other things. I think it it kind of shows the immoral nature of the Republic and the tools and and, and the ways that they're prepared to uh, win this war through whatever methods they see necessary. Yeah, I think moral code has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think it shows the desperation of the Republic uh, that – and and that you know the the corporations and and Count Dooku and and all that they have built up this situation where the Republic feels like their back is up against the wall, and so they're going to spend and spend and spend uh, until they can, because they think that will 
win this war for them. They think that will get them out of the situation that they're in when really they should, you know, stick to their beliefs and have not gone to war with the separatists. But Palpatine orchestrated this brilliant plan, this evil but brilliant plan where he he played off people's weaknesses and was able to create the situation where he was controlling both sides of a war. And here we are. We, we, you know, and it ends with execute order 66 and the Republic will be reorganized into the first galactic empire. I have to say the more that we look at at these clone centric arts and, and the likes of the bad batch as a group, order 66 is really looked at in it. Or I view it at least in a different light. I expect oh, yeah. most people do from looking at the Clone Wars, because in a way, whilst Order sixty six brought about the end of the Jedi, it marked the end of the the Republic. Mm-hmm. It also marked the end of the Clone Troopers. It, it's almost self destruction because they, uh, dis- they they executed their Jedi generals, and then once they carried out their task they had very little use or value to the empire anymore mm-hmm. because they were too individualistic and they were too prone to be uh, liable as, as allies. They weren't, they weren't reliable because they were so individualistic that they weren't committed to conforming to the standards of the empire or the rules that have been set in place. And so Palpatine got rid of them. And, it, and it's quite sad to look at it that way. And, and actually, very appropriate then to kind of cite the latest Rebels episode mm-hmm. when uh, the commanding officer calls Rex, you know, we're talking about in the time between episode three and four, as uh, an obsolete relic, as, as, as something of the past which has served its use but is, is no longer valuable in the present. And, and I think that's, that's what happens with the clones at the end. But at the time of the Clone Wars... Yeah, the, the, as you said, the Senate thought there was, their backs were against the wall and they're, and they're putting in place these new ideas, but they've not really recognized the long-term harm this is going to do to what we're going to call individuals because that they are. They're, they're individuals even though they've been genetically manufactured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the whole thing about you know the senators having their back up against the wall is that they can't – they think they can't. Uh, actually think about the situation and determine who the real enemy is because really the person, the people they should be turning their blasters on are not the battle droids of the Trade Federation. They're not the um, the citizens of the of the separatist, uh, what is this, the separatist alliance? The, oh, the Confederate, uh, Confederacy of, the, of Independent Systems. It's Palpatine. He's the guy who's controlling everything, but he's created this situation where they are, where they don't feel they have the opportunity to stop and really think about it. They feel like they have to make fast decisions and those decisions wind up sacrificing their morals and, and sacrificing um, what they actually believe. And, and it winds up being worse for the galaxy because of this. But let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the fact that echo is still alive. This was something that was revealed on StarWars.com months before we ever found out these uh these episodes were coming and it just came in a blog post from dave filoni uh of you know things you probably won't see but we saw this so i i hold out hope that we'll see some of the other things in that blog post um but 
well, what do you think? This is a this is a the show did this a couple of times where it looked like a character was dead, and uh, another character who it did that to was Admiral Trench, who reappears and is killed again in these episodes. Um, but it, it it looked like Echoes was dead, and they brought him back. What did you think of, uh, of one the decision to bring back Echo, and, and two the execution of it? The decision to bring back Echo was, in the end, a good one. Okay, I, I, I think that uh, Echo coming back brought about a very interesting storyline, and he was certainly a a beloved Clone Wars character. So in that respect, I, I think that there was enough justification to say that Echo should come back. And it was also logistically possible or, or it wasn't out, out of the realms of possibility because at the end of the Citadel arc, when Five screams Echo, we see the helmet there, but we don't see the body. We don't see what state Echo really is in. So there's a lot of ambiguity there surrounding Echo's demise that justifies his return. As far as the execution went, I think it went very well. Uh, Having him plugged into that machine was a very, very chilling image to to really have to look at, even though it wasn't in this final animation format. There was enough about it to make it seem creepy. I actually think it was creepier in the story reel form because there were all those like spaces missing <laughs> between his arm and his shoulder and, and stuff. And it just added to the creepiness, I think. Yeah, it really did. And, and that was executed very, very well. And it really cemented the idea in our minds that echo has been through a torturous experience here. Um, and, and his story has suddenly become very, very disturbing When you look at how his character has evolved from the echo of the Citadel to the echo of the bat within the bad bat shark. Mm -hmm. And it's really only Rex who who really pushes to save echo because I think if the bad batch had their way, they would have shut that machine down and, and if they couldn't get echo out straight away or it wasn't seen as easy, and feasible, they they would have just blown him up with a machine, I reckon. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is testament to Rex coming back, uh, sorry, for for Rex's determined and dogged approach, and 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 in a way, uh, love for Echo that he wanted him to come back. He respected him as a trooper, and and he respected his loyalty to the Republic. So Echo returning overall. Probably would say a good decision, but I'm I'm open to counterforts if if you think that Echo should not have come back. If you think perhaps his character just, in a way, served as a means to an end. Yeah, you see, I I think Echo's return was executed very well. I think the story was was played out very well, but I I don't think Echo should have come back. And I look back to. March 7th, 2011, when Dave Filoni published a note on his Facebook page. This was back in the day when when Dave Filoni actually posted stuff on social media. (laughs) Um, But he posted this after the episode Counterattack aired. And he writes, 
Uh, I know some some of you were a bit shocked at the sudden death of Echo in last week's episode, Counterattack. It's it is always sad when a character story comes to an end. I can remember. Uh, when I was a kid and I watched the animated series Robotech, I was stunned when one of my favorite characters, Roy Fokker, F-O-K-K-E-R, uh, got killed in action. It was the first time I had seen this in an animated TV show and it made an impression on me for sure. I suddenly realized the characters were in jeopardy and it wasn't just fun in games and that the characters had fought selfless and that the character had fought selfless, selflessly for his friends and family so that they could live on. Roy Fokker's sacrifice was meaningful. Such is the life of a clone trooper. They sacrifice themselves every day without thanks to ensure the people they are protecting have better lives. People will never meet face to face. People they will never meet face to face. Echo was doing doing this doing his duty for his friends and his fellow clones and uh, to try and ensure their safety. In doing so, he was willing to he was willing to risk his life for the success of the mission. It was a selfless act, a heroic act. His loss will only make his friends fight harder to survive, to keep his memory alive, like Echo did for Heavy before him. So that again, that's what Dave Filoni wrote in March 2011. And and I really liked that point that, you know, this whole that Echo's death was, you know, a reminder that, you know, these characters are in jeopardy. These characters do die. This is a real war. And something I never liked about cartoons as a kid, especially action cartoons, is I, as, you know, just like Filoni was talking about there weren't any stakes in most of them because they didn't want to show characters dying to children because then they would traumatize the children or whatever. But as a kid watching those shows, I'm like, they're just going to survive and make it to the next week anyways. And what I liked about clone wars was that they were willing to kill off characters. And what I like about rebels and what I like about star Wars in general is that death is part of it, just like it is part of war. And the, you know, the deaths are meaningful they they impact the audience the and they impact the characters and and so i think bringing echo back does cheapen his death in the citadel a little bit uh and i think it you know and his death you know too it, it came at such a uh a, like the right time in the season too it, it really shook things up in that arc and it was a character who earlier in the season we had watched as a you know as a cadet going through his, uh, his trials and his, his final tests. And then, you know, we knew him from rookies where he went through that horrific experience, uh, on the Rishi moon where he saw his friends sacrifice, where he saw his friend sacrifice himself so that the others could survive. And then we saw him fighting on Camino and again, saw one of his friends sacrifice himself there. And I think that, you know, to, uh, that was a satisfying, conclusion of echo's story where, where he was trying he was doing what he had learned from heavy and from 99 and he he put himself at risk to save his friends and he wound up losing his life for it and and i i think it, it worked well because we had as an audience we had spent so much time with him that that season uh and it, it, i thought it was really impactful at the time and the fact that feloni put out a note about it on facebook back in 2011 i think shows that and it's it's one of those things where I, I wish they had they had left him dead because I thought it was it impacted the story in in such a in such a good way. That so Dominic, let me let me jump in and ask you this question. Go for it. Why do you think Dave Filoni switched in his mind to bring Echo back? Because 
that Facebook post I do remember at the end of the Citadel <laughs> arc being published, but then I also remember not too far down, probably a couple of years after that, it was the first time we'd started to hear about Echo's mm-hmm. possible return. Yeah. So why 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 the sun change? Why bring him back? Was it in any way related to the fans' attitude or or do you think that the, the story group thought it would be more interesting to bring him back? I, I think it's twofold. And, and this was, this is a pre story group too. This was, this was when Lucas was, when George was coming up with all the ideas. Mm. Um, I think it's twofold. I think one, it was a, a good story. I like, this is a, a great story. A clone thought dead. Uh, it turns out to be, you know, held captive and, and Rex goes and moves, uh, you know, heaven and earth to try and, and save his friend. And, you know, we have seen a lot of clone troopers die and a lot of clone troopers have stayed dead. You know, heavy fives more recently, um, uh, you know, char- uh, whack was, it was either waxer or Boyle, One of those two. And, you know, these are characters that we knew that were killed uh, 99, of course, as well. So all of domino squad, <laughs> you know, all these characters were, were, were killed off. And so, you know, it, it, it is, it's not like, all those characters were brought back. So, you know, I'm not like angry about the decision or anything. I, I just, you know, I, I thought that Echo's deck death was so impactful that I almost would have rather seen it be a, a, a different clone. But I think that this story came up and it's a great story and they liked it and they wanted to do it. And then they went looking for a clone who had been killed, who would have a connection with the audience. And they probably went, they went, Oh, well, people were upset when Echo died. We'll do this as a little bit of fan service. And again, I don't use fan service as a negative. I, I don't think that. I don't think fan service is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's one of those things where too much of it is is a bad thing, but also not enough of it is a bad thing. So you need to find the sweet spot usually. And and, uh, and so I, I think that's what they were doing there where I think the story came first where we need a clone who was killed in action that can be brought back, who has a connection to either Rex or Cody. Okay. We've got echo. Let's bring back echo. And, and that's how I think we got to, uh, to echo being brought back. And uh, th- that's how I think we got to echo being brought back. And the point is here is, you know, I- I'm not, I, I, this is not a criticism of the arc. It's not even a really a criticism of the show. It's just one of those things where, if in my mind, uh, I thought Echo's death was so perfect and was so well done that it, you know it would have uh, I would have liked to have seen it kept that way, but it did lead to a really good story. This uh, this this whole arc was was really well done, and and we're going to talk about Rex in a second, and and so I I don't think it's a bad thing at all that they brought back Echo. It, it's just one of those things where. I, I kind of wish that character had stayed dead just because of the way his, his death scene was executed and, and how perfect it was. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it does. As you say, the, the, the sudden shift really has, has two main factors to, to the change in the decision really. And that, and that is because of a change of heart within the story group because, or within, um, the mindset of, of Dave Filoni, George Lucas, and and the writers of the Clone Wars, but also in a way because yes, the 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 clone that people probably wanted most back at that time was Echo. 
and it, it, it does make sense that he would be brought back. So, as I say, personally, I, I don't think the decision taken by Lucasfilm was was bad, and it certainly worked to produce a very exciting story. Yeah, I, and I, I, I However, 100% as you agree said, with the decision you. before that, it could have been seen as as a bit of a, a baffling and, and, and questionable one at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I thought the, the story was good and, and, and everything about it. I thought the way they executed everything was really, really well done. It, it's, it's just in the context of the, the larger series. And when you look at Echo's story, I, I thought it ended so well in in the citadel that it didn't need to be re- revisited and you know for as much as i like this arc it, it's just one of those it's a small point but it's it's a sticking point uh but let's let's move on let's talk about captain rex in these episodes and rex is really he's the one who wants echo back he's the one who is fighting the hardest he even literally gets into a fist fight with crosshair and you know wrecker like you know picks him you know he has a stare down with wrecker it's it's this you know horrible scene of clones of the you know the the group just breaking down and everybody fighting each other uh and that's all because crosshair suggested that echo might be a traitor why do you think it was so important for rex to bring back echo why is it so important for rex that echo not only be alive but still be loyal Uh, Rex as a character has gone through an abundance of experiences as his time as a, as a clone trooper. I think he, he had close ties with not just Echo, mm-hmm. but Domino Squad and and particularly Fives. Yeah, as I was watching this uh, for a moment, I, I had a, I, I thought for a second that Rex had been part of Domino Squad, and I realized no, no, that's not right. <laughs> no, it, it, the, Rex had close ties but as yeah, you said he, he was he's never a part of it part. and i think the order 66 arc which culminated in the death of fives by his fellow men would certainly have impacted on rex in a in, certainly in, in a kind of self-reflective way really mm-hmm. uh, again kind of opening up the questions of what it's all about the war and um and and and, and, and why Fives would seemingly betray the Republic. And he didn't believe it, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the more he thought about it, I imagine, the, well, we, we know that he, he eventually believed it because uh, he took his chip out. Yeah. So that in itself is enough to demonstrate that uh, Rex did, in the end, believe what Fives had, se- Fives had said. In relation to Echo, I think that Echo, in a way, symbolizes the the, the Domino Squad now, or, or the remnants of the Domino Squad, um, and, and Fives as well is a part of that. Echo's, Echo and Fives were two of the closest within that squad, and, and and I think that, in a way, it's almost repaying the service of of Fives, and and also it's a fellow clone trooper, it's a brother. And this is someone who was part of the 501st. Rex has a lot of ties to these particular clones. And he doesn't want to see them go to waste. And I think his humanitarian 
perspective on this of wanting to save a life, uh, but particularly a member of his squad, sums up Rex's character really, mm-hmm. and it, and it, and I think it's partly why he couldn't bring himself to kill Krell because that's part of his nature, uh, in the sense that Rex is isn't a killer. He he he's not. In the, in the same way as ruthless or merciless as his Jedi Master or Jedi compatriot. And, I mean, I, I'd be interested to get your views on Rex. I mean, do you think his character has evolved since then? Do you think there are similar tendencies to a, a Season 4 Rex or a, or a Rex of, uh, you know, during the Order 66 arc? Or do you see a change in his character? Do you, do you see his attitude uh, wanting to save echo so badly as representative of a change in his character i i think it is a a change in his character but it it goes back to what we always talk about with rex that rex has been through so much you look at everything that this guy has been through from season one with uh slick uh season two cut laquain season four on umbara uh season six with the order 66 arc and the death of fives and, you know, Rex has been through so much. He has fought so for so long and he has lost so many brothers. And it's in this war that doesn't make sense to him anymore. It, it really doesn't. He's all of what he has been through has changed his perspective to the point where he doesn't understand what is going on. And he's searching for his purpose. And all of a sudden, somebody who represents the good old days to him. There's a chance he can get that person back. And he doesn't he, – he needs – Rex needs to believe that Echo is both alive and loyal because if Echo has turned, that's just another person. That's another person from his past and that you were right to point out Fives because that's another character who Rex had, had close ties with. Uh, another character from his past who has abandoned uh, – what he believes in so much and if you start if you look at rex's story it started with people who were not all that close with him slick cut laquain people like that but when season four happened it was his friends that were questioning what was going on it was fives it was jesse it was hard case it was all of these characters who were close to rex and they were all sitting around questioning what was going on and it and when that is happening and then with what Krell did, it's hard not for Rex not to start questioning that as well. And so he's questioning that and, and, you know, combined with what he already had, had experienced with cut and uh, slick. Uh, and then the experience on Umbara, he is now questioning his role in this, even if it's just in a small way. And then something happens to fives where fives is, is screaming about this conspiracy. And he's to the point where he sacrifices his life and he, he he um, traps Anakin and Rex in the um, in the ray shields, so everything has gone wrong. Every, Rex has experienced so much going wrong, and, and there's so much that he has to question. And he does. I, I really feel that Rex at this point doesn't know what he's fighting for anymore, and I don't think he knows what he's fighting for anymore until we see him in Rebels. Until he, you know, until he joins up with Kanan and Hera and Ahsoka again. 
Um, yeah, kind of. He seems to have lost his purpose when we see him in Rebels. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to ask you this question, Dominic, in relation to that, and I'll, I'll let you jump in with the other point as well in a second. But what at what point do you see Rex hitting his breaking point? Because these are all stepping stones, building up to a point within Rex's story where he will abandon the Republic, or at least he will abandon the past, you know, the, the war. He's, he, once he takes out his ship, that's him not siding with the Empire, not siding with Palpatine, but adhering to the beliefs of Fives or the conspiracy that Fives had stated. And, of course, he's not alone. Gregor and Wolf also conformed to to that as well so where would you see rex hitting his breaking point was it the end of the clone wars was it after order 66 i mean we can only speculate here yeah but i thought it'd be worth bringing up because this is the last arc we see rex mm-hmm. before he turns up in rebels yeah it that see that's the big missing piece in rex's story is how does he get from here to where we meet him in season two of rebels and and there are some clues. We know that he took his chip out. He didn't ever turn on his Jedi general. But it's also implied, I think, in Rebels that he was a stormtrooper for a while. That him and Gregor and Wolf were stormtroopers for a while, even if they didn't have their chips in. Uh, although, you know, that's it's kind of implied, but it's not clear. So there's definitely room for them to say, no, no, he left prior to order 66 or he took out his chip and then order 66 was called and he saw the horrors that happened and he ran uh you know that's that's the question that's the that's the missing chapter in the story of uh captain rex and uh you know i I like to think that you know at some point he uh that I'd, I like to think that Rex left the Republic. I like to think that Rex deserted in the style of Cut Quain, but I don't necessarily think that that's what happened. Uh, I, I'm still, I still wonder. You know, like you said, that this is the that's this is the missing piece of the puzzle. And uh, right now, I, I'm just not sure. the The best I can speculate is that he either took out his chip, or he he did some research on his own and took, found out about the chip, and he took it out, and him and Wolf and Gregor. Um, but he also realized um, that Order sixty six was was happening. I I I, I don't know. I I I, I that, that's the missing piece. Is does where is Rex during Order sixty six? Is he still uh, a clone trooper or has he abandoned? Because I think if he took out his trip chip and went back to being a, a clone trooper, he would just stay a trooper. He would then be a stormtrooper. And I you know it's kind of implied in Rebels that he spent a little bit of time in stormtrooper armor. Um. And so he would just become a, a stormtrooper, but at, at some point, you know, he, he realizes the Empire is bad. So I I just don't have the answer. I I don't know. I I, I I'm intrigued to see if and when we ever do see that missing piece, um, and how we see that missing piece uh, of what happened to Captain Rex. And and uh, I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I think the fallout will be so interesting and intriguing to discover Uh, what i find very interesting based on some of the footage we've seen in rebels is the way he fondly remembers working with anakin 
Yeah. Um, obviously, he. Well, I am. We can we can only speculate here as well, but it it seems to be that Rex is unfamiliar think, as to who Anakin has become now. Yeah. Do you think Rex I, gets reassigned maybe at some point during the war? I think he must do because he that, to, he's not, that in itself is intriguing that he there's no clear fallout or he either schism gets, between him and Anakin. Mm-hmm. Because I think if there was, he wouldn't reference Anakin as much or at least he wouldn't reference him in a fond way. I mean, because he, he, he always says, I used to, you know, well, back in the Clone Wars with the great Jedi and and, gen, and, and my general. I mean, he, he kind of refers to him in a personal pronoun. He really is attached to Anakin as a, as a commander. He respects him and he acknowledges him as a friend. So I, I think what you speculated there about the possibility of him being reassigned is a distinct possibility. And it would work in Palpatine's favour because he's just isolating Anakin even further. So it may not even have anything to do with what Rex has been doing. But obviously we look at Rex's character evolving throughout the Clone Wars. Once Rex is reassigned, I imagine that's when things really start to progress in terms of him distance himself from the war and perhaps di- and, and perhaps looking into the the possibility he has a chip within him um, once he once he is reassigned because he says well, I haven't got my Jedi general and that would even make me think that he wasn't reassigned to another Jedi that he might have been reassigned to goodness knows what yeah I mean not I'm not saying maintenance work but <laughs> certainly not serving under another Jedi yeah I mean Ahsoka's gone as well who would he be re- reassigned to that's the question that that is the that is this is the this, like I said, this is the missing chapter. The missing piece of the puzzle is is what does Rex do after uh, after this? Where does Rex go? Uh, because this it greatly impacts you know where he is during Order sixty six when he takes out his chip and why isn't he marching on the Jedi Temple with Anakin Skywalker? And you know, obviously, we can say, oh well, you know, Rex wasn't a character in two thousand five. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't really care about that. I, I'm more interested in the in in the in universe reasoning than the you know technical real world. Well, you know, George hadn't thought of Captain Rex yet, and so we have to. So we obviously couldn't be there, but you know, maybe he could be one of the other troopers in there. No, he's not. He's he's Rex. If he were, you know, the way they built up this character in in the in the show, it wouldn't make sense for him not to be there in the movie unless there's a there's a significant story reason and uh knowing the show and the way they've worked there's a there's a significant story reason and they they have it you know then the the story group the story group knows it feloni probably knows it um and some of the other writers probably know it and george i guess knows it as well and it's it's only a matter of time uh until they get around to telling that story and when and where and how like I said, it's still a mystery, but I, I, I look forward to that story being told. I mean, also, just the final point on this, but that demonstrated throughout this particular arc as well is Rex's free-thinking free nature, where I, I don't know if he would necessarily adhere to orders of marching on the Jedi Temple if he was still under the surface of Anakin Skywalker at that time. 
we see in this arc that well, he that depends on questions if his, some of the decisions of the Jedi. Yeah, that depends on if he has his chip in, though, with the marching of the temple. Of course, of course it does. That That is a factor which would then make us think that if he hasn't been reassigned or if he has been reassigned, then he's probably taken his chip out by that point. Yeah. So it's, it's, again, plenty of questions. And I, I expect that we may get some of the answers as to some of the fallout with the, well, at least my perception of, of, of what's going to happen with Rex is the, is the inevitable confrontation between him and Darth Vader in Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Does that Re- could open the gateway. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that'll be, you know, a lot of characters that from Darth Vader's past are showing up this season on Rebels, and ooh, I'm worried about them. I'm worried about him and Ahsoka. Um, but yeah, just, just, and, you know, continuing on with Rex, uh, you know, in, in these episodes, we see another instance of how close Rex and Anakin are. And, and, you know, again, this would be a reason why a showdown between Rex and Vader would be so emotional. It's, it's strongly implied and was strongly implied by the crew at Celebration that Rex knows about Anakin and Padme. Uh, you know, with with the great scene with the Padme nose art on the Bad Batch's sea, on the Bad Batch's ship, uh, and, and you know, Anakin is like, "That is coming down as soon as we get back." And you know, even in the primitive uh, story reel animation form, you can kind of tell that Rex is is kind of half horrified, half amused at the fact that Anakin has seen this, and and is kind of you know half like terrified and half laughing at his reaction to it um so i I think that that's hugely important to consider in any uh future rex stories um between now and his appearance in rebels is how how does you know how does his relationship with anakin end because it has to end at some point uh before rex or before uh, Anakin becomes Darth Vader, I think. Or maybe Rex knows. You never know. Rex clearly knows a lot about Anakin. Um, so, you know, the the rest of the arc is a lot of fun, lots of great action, lots of cool, uh, lots of cool uh, sequences of getting Echo back and, and finishing the battle on Anaxus. Um, but there's one final thing I want to mention, and this might take us all the way back to where we first started with the uh, morals of the Bad Batch. But as they're getting their medals... And this, there's just a little bit of uh, the, the music in this. And now the music, I don't know how the music for this worked, if it's original stuff that Kevin Kiner uh, wrote or if it's temp stuff. I feel like with this arc, there's a lot of temp stuff. There's a lot of stuff that feels uh, reused from previous arcs that doesn't quite fit. Like the Savage Press theme is used uh, several times in here um, when Savage is nowhere to be seen. Um, but they, they, but I still think the choice of music because they knew it was going to be shown to us was very intentional. And we hear as the clones are getting their medals at the end, the Imperial March. What do you think that means? I'm glad you raised that because <laughs> I would have done it if you hadn't. It, it certainly stood out. And if you look at the scene as a whole, this is a scene where this is a celebratory. The have succeeded, scene. yeah. This yeah. is a celebratory scene here. It the should clones... be the throne room music. It should be, yeah, you know, from from the end of A New Hope. That should be the music that's playing, not the Imperial March. I, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so you look why, at that, and you and so you'd why say, is the Imperial March being played? Yeah. <laughs> I know. The, these are the I'm, questions that keep me up at night. <laughs> they do, but 
it's a fair question to raise, and I, I think it's because if you're going to compare, say, the throne room scene to, to this particular scene, uh, it, 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 to me, the Imperial March, particularly within the Clone Wars, seemed to serve as a sort of foreshadowing of, 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 of forebear of things to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were usually ominous things to come in the future because, of, of course, we associate the Imperial March with the Empire. And yeah. the Empire, of course, isn't around at this time. So I look at that as a as a symbol of or a late motif of uh, foreshadowing events to come. And I think it's it's important just to, to remember, I guess, or what they're trying to emphasize with the Imperial March in this scene is that, yes, the Republic have accorded another victory, but it's only another victory for the Chancellor. And as far as the clones go themselves, because it, it, the, the camera pans to... Rex in particular, funnily enough, actually, yeah, along with the uh, the principal clone protagonists in this arc, and I I, I think there's a as a just foreshadow in general to what's going to happen with the clones, um, as as much as what's going to happen with the Republic, because the clones themselves they're going to soon become obsolete. They're going to have no purpose once the war has come to an end. Mm-hmm. and they're going to end up turning on the same Jedi generals that have just given them medals there. <laughs> and so there's kind of a there's a lot of like tension and and um ominous events which are being foreshadowed. That's why I think the Imperial March was used in that scene. Yeah. It kind but of I, I I look forward to hearing your interpretation of it. Yeah, well see I I think it kind of ties together everything we talked about and I think you're you're absolutely spot on. This is a you know, it's it's a victory for, you know, everything in the war is essentially a victory for Palpatine because it brings him one step closer to the end of the war. And, you know, part of the reason, you know, he, he has to put his uh, his plan into action in episode three is because the Republic is about to win the war. You know, he, he finally, you know, the war basically continues until Palpatine can get Anakin and Dooku together. And when Anakin, because when Anakin is able to finally defeat Dooku, that shows Palpatine two things, or that then two things happen. It shows Palpatine that Anakin is ready to become his apprentice, and it puts the Republic in the situation where victory is all but guaranteed. Now they just have to get General Grievous. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, the, the, like you said, it's, it's sort of a foreshadow- foreshadowing that the, the war is ending, that sort of the Republic is gaining the upper hand. Um, and that, you know, we're, we're just, you know, a year or months away from Anakin and Dooku facing off again for the final time in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I think it also goes to the, the, what we were talking about with the Bad Batch, that this is kind of a, a victory for him, that this represents a, a, a new possibility to him. This is a, a new possibility. And I think you're right. It, it foreshadows the inevitability of Order 66, that eventually all of these people who are standing together in 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 solidarity and in, in victory are going to be fighting each other again in just a matter of about a year or a couple of months uh so i i thought it was a really a, a really um chilling choice to use the imperial march and i thought it was a really smart choice to use the imperial march so unless there's anything else you'd like to bring up let's move on to our favorite quotes i have no more All to right. bring up all right, well, I'll, so, th- I'll throw it to you first for your favorite quotes from The Bad Batch. Favorite quotes. So I'm going to have to go with 
one from Mace Windu yes. in the in the final episode of this particular arc. And this is one that I I can recall within the the screening itself had brought everyone to to chuckle really. Yeah. And and it was uh the the battle for the capital city when it started and Mace Windu jumps down into the industrial sector where all the droids are located and he gives his grand speech as he says at this point of the clone wars i have destroyed a hundred thousand b1 type droids like yourselves you who have been spreading mindless violence and chaos which is inflicted on millions lay down your weapons and this is your opportunity to surrender and then the first b1 droid says Blast him. <laughs> and then Obi-Wan follows up by saying, I guess it was worth a try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in his usual smirky and quite sarcastic manner. Good old Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah, good but, old. yeah, that made me. I think that one made us all laugh, didn't it, really? Yes, absolutely. And another one for me, and this is, I've only got one for this week. Or actually, I've got two, but one, uh, another one that got a, uh, a good reaction out of the crowd at Celebration. <laughs> and it goes back to the Padme nose art on the, um, uh, on the Bad Batch's ship, it's when Anakin sees it, and and uh, the Bad Batch is talking about about Padme and how they watch her on the on the news, basically. And Wrecker makes makes the statement: she can negotiate with me anytime. <laughs> and, oh, a little innuendo in your Star Wars uh, uh, with uh, with Wrecker and the Bad Batch. But uh, over to you. Do you have another one? Yeah, one more, and this is from the second episode, A Distant Echo. And it's the scene when they they got the primitives on the side and they're just about to go up on the li- get get onto the lift uh, to take them up to the the tower of this skyscraper or to the top of the skyscraper and uh, and Wrecker just kind of looks and we know he's a little bit afraid of heights at this point <laughs> and then uh, Hunter comes up behind him and says don't worry Wrecker I'll hold your hand and he kind of <laughs> then like pushes him away and like I'm not scared or whatever because it's just <laughs> I, I, I guess the, the irony of, of him being an absolute brute monster to then be the one who's afraid of heights it's it oh, again just just perfect and, and as, as you would say smart writing I think yeah, absolutely. And I've got one more. And these are all funny lines this week. I love it. Um, when uh, Anakin is captured by the primitives, by the natives, and he uh, he's brought to their village, and the and the elder comes up to him and starts speaking in their um, native language, and it's you know it's like you know it's it's crazy uh, crazy uh, alien language. And Anakin just goes, "Okay, I think we're going to have a slight communication problem here." Uh, so I, I quite liked that one as well. So that will wrap things up here for our discussion of the Bad Batch arc. Before we go, just time for final thoughts and score out of 10. So I'll throw it over to you, Kieran. Final thoughts on the final. Well, I, I, these are kind of, let's you know, they're kind of the final real episodes in the sense that they're that they're moving pictures the final moving pictures episodes <laughs> of the uh of the clone wars i don't want to call them the the, the real episodes quote unquote because uh well that kind of wrapped up with uh, with the yoda arc but what, what were your final thoughts and score out of 10 on the bad batch arc 
Yes, Bad Batch arc. I thought it was a phenomenal arc, really. And I, I think that this is, a, this is a great one thus far to conclude, as you, as you termed it, the moving picture pictures stories of the uh, of the clone wars and you just have to give a tribute really to the hard work of the clone wars team dave filoni in general with regards to the clone wars here uh, because the amount of hard work they put in and and they're still putting out stories even in 2015 when this show was supposed to have been cancelled last year or two years are probably back now, and and it's still going, and it's still living in the memory of Star Wars fans. That's what's fantastic about the Clone Wars TV show. So I don't want to go in a massive review of that, because we'll come on to that um, in the last episode of this series. But as, as far as the Bad Batch goes, I thought the characters that were introduced uh, within the... Um, Clone Squad called Ninety Nine. I thought it was. I thought it was just brilliant, and uh, and and the, the dynamics, as I said, between them and and other characters such as Rex, Cody, and Anakin, uh, made this story very comical, and it also made it quite thrilling as an action piece. There was a lot of action in here, and I think this would certainly fit into some of the later clone centric arcs we would see in the Clone Wars, notably on Bara, um, in amongst that. So, great choice. And bringing back Echo, as we had discussed this, Echo's return, certainly contentious, but the way they brought it back, it was executed to near perfection and, and it made for a, a very intriguing storyline. And to, to end on the score of the Imperial March, well, you can't say much more than that. Uh, the foreboding nature, as always. And I think, in a way, that's quite a fitting way to end the Clone Wars because whilst we... We look at the heroes within the Clone Wars. We, we look at it from their perspective. The heroes fall, and it, and it doesn't end well for them. So even though the, these victories of the Republic are perceived uh, as victory for our heroes, inevitably it's these type of victories which will contribute to their downfall. So big fan of this arc, and, and I'll give this a score of... 8.5 out of 10. Over to you, Dominic. All right. Well, yeah, I, I also want to um, uh, commend the crew on on such a on, on putting out such a great product, even though it was unfinished. You know, we I remember talking to Irish Chris after the uh, screening, and he said, you know, that that was so great. I could I completely forgot that it was, you know, unfinished animation. I just got so wrapped up in it, and. Uh, I definitely want to echo that, you know, and, and you know, unfinished Clone Wars is still better than most uh, most other shows out there. So I, I got to say it, it was a lot of fun. It was great that they showed these episodes. It was great that they showed them at celebration for all the fans there. And, and again, just that first uh, that first fortune cookie of, uh, you know, where it ends with thank you, Clone Wars fans was just wonderful. I, I thought it was uh, was just it was all so well done and. Uh, to have Filoni and, and Dee Bradley Baker and, and Matt Michnovitz and Brent Friedman, they were all at, at Celebration. It was it was really a fun, fun, uh, fun time and a fun screening. The episodes, uh, really interesting stuff. This new concept of of these of the Bad Batch, and we know there were other Bad Batch stories in the works, and we know that they were at least at, at least reached the um, story reel 
point for some of the Wookiees arc that would have also featured the Bad Batch. So maybe we'll see that someday. Uh, hopefully, hey, Celebration London's coming up in 2016. Uh, so yeah, overall, overall, these were a really, really fun episodes. Lots of great dialogue, lots of great banter, and lots of great action. So I will give them a eight out of ten. That will wrap things up for us here for the Clone Wars Strikes Back. Not sure when we'll be back. So if we're not back until the new year, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support this year as we had wacky schedules in the summer, wacky schedules in the fall, and wacky schedules in the spring. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed another year of the Clone Wars Strikes Back, and we're excited to uh, to continue on into 2016. So thank you. Um, if we don't, there's a chance we might do an episode, um, but odds are uh, we'll talk to you in 2016 so of course enjoy the force awakens have lots of fun uh it's going to be a wonderful experience for everyone in the fan community so enjoy the force awakens have a merry christmas happy holidays and a happy and safe new year and we will be back in 2016 or maybe in 2015 we haven't decided yet we still have to discuss that so we'll see um and you know of course christmas busy time of the year combined with the force awakens really busy time of the year so uh enjoy all that and uh thank you for listening kieran do you want to let people know what's coming up on expression fm hey expression fm busy busy as always and we are coming up to the end of term so regular shows going out on air as they always do i'll actually be doing a takeover show tomorrow so that probably won't be helpful if, if <laughs> this is not debut I'll by listen. tomorrow. So, I'll listen. <laughs> which it probably won't be. So it may be yesterday when you listen to this. But um, I should be doing it in the evening and I'm doing it with a, a newly passed trainee. So uh, it'll be a nice experience for the both of us as I will have to uh, let go of the reins, so to speak, and be a guest <laughs> rather than a host, which is what you do usually on this show. So it's, it's quite nice that I get to take a step back in this show, Dominic, and, and, and be the one who's quizzed rather than the quizzer. <laughs> and uh, the way you can listen to Expression FM is on the website. The website is called www.expression.fm. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at ExpressionFM. And our Facebook page, you can like that at www.facebook.com slash expressionfm. So that's it for me. But Dominic, do you want to disclose what's going on with now multiple shows on the Star Wars Underworld? It's no longer just a Clone Wars Strikes Back, but there are other shows that have been yeah. going on on the SWU. There are three shows at, at the present moment. Of course, start, uh, of course, uh, Clone Wars Strikes Back. There's also Live from Lothal, where we discuss uh, Rebels episodes after they air. I highly recommend a recent episode discussing the episode Blood Sisters. Yes, it was Blood Sisters. That was that was the one you were on, right? That is indeed. Yes. That was indeed. I highly recommend that episode uh, Kieran was on, and we also had our buddy Zach from the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast on. It was a really fun discussion. I highly recommend that one. Uh, and there will be uh, new episodes uh, uh, just about every week as Rebels airs. Uh, so you definitely want to check that out. Also, of course, the main Star Wars Underworld podcast uh, recorded live Thursday night, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern on channel 1138.com and then released on the iTunes feed. And the iTunes feed is where you get this show, the main Star Wars Underworld show, and live from Lothal. That is three shows 
for the price of one, and that price is absolutely free. And if you have time when you're over at iTunes and you want to leave us a iTunes review uh, for any of those shows specifically or all of them, uh, if you do so, we will give you a shout-out on the air. Also, of course, keep checking out StarWarsUnderworld.com throughout the weeks. Uh, as we get closer to The Force Awakens, there's more TV spots, more uh, promotional art, more promotional pictures, all kind, more promotional interviews, more talk shows, more all the, all the fun stuff uh, is coming up. Uh, uh, you can find links to all that there and, uh, and uh, our opinions on it and, and all that kind of stuff. All that fun stuff over on StarWarsUnderworld.com. All the latest news, everything you could want over there. And uh, yeah, and that's you know that's where we get what we'll be talking about on the main podcast. There's always new TV spots and interviews and all the fun stuff to discuss. And uh, of course, there'll be shows, many, many shows, discussing and dissecting The Force Awakens once it hits theaters just just a few days it's it's a few days now it's not even it's not a few weeks it's not a few months it's not a few years it's a few days like i mean it's a couple of weeks but we're really at the point where we can just count the days and it feels really really close uh so again thank you everybody for listening for checking all the shows and all that uh we'll be back with our we'll be discussing the first half of the novel Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. We'll discuss the first arc, of, uh, the first new arc about Ventress that is depicted in the first half or so of that novel. So uh, you got plenty of time to read it. You got plenty of time to read it. Uh, and it's a great book, so you should enjoy reading it. Should uh, you should just fly through the pages. So again, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back to discuss the first half of Dark Disciple probably in the new year, but maybe a little bit sooner. For everyone at the Star Wars Underworld, we'll see you next time. May the Force be with you. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. That's what. That's what's next, right? It's, it's the first half of Dark Disciple. Chronologically. It is, yeah. yes. Okay. And then I think it's Darth Maul comic, and then it's second half. Second half. And okay. Then that's that. Okay. And then that's that. Yeah. Then Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> and then Revenge of the Sith commentary, and then the wrap it up. final episode. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I was, yeah. I, there's this, I should have I should have looked this up beforehand, but there's a specific point in Dark Disciple, and I remember when I was reading it, thinking, okay, this is where the arc break would be. This is where the first arc would end, and I should I should have looked it up and had the page number ready, but don't. That's all right. I think it will become clear for yeah. We'll put it out. On, we'll put it out on we'll Facebook and whatever.